This is episode 654 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, 10 Blackout-Proof Preps That You Need to Get Through Extreme Weather Emergencies. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here and hanging out with me on this one. You know, those of you that are in California, or if you are paying attention, California is going through some really serious blackouts right now, and they're doing it at a time when the heat is at the highest, right? So I was looking um, just on, I think it was the Drudge Report, and I kind of clicked off of this one. It goes to Yahoo News, but it was basically a, um, I guess, a repost from the LA Times. And then just talking about what is going on over there. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, just reading a couple of uh, sentences here at the very top. A late summer heat wave in Southern California typically sends people fleeing to movie theaters, shopping malls, and crowded beaches in search of a cool respite. But the coronavirus pandemic has forced a closure of places where people once gathered, upending those routines. So they were talking about, I'm going to drop down here to this uh, to this paragraph here. It says, the California Independent System Operator, the body that runs the electric grid for most of California, declared a statewide Stage 3 emergency Friday evening and ordered utilities to shed about 1,000 megawatts prompting rolling blackouts across the state. A single megawatt powers about 750 homes, spokeswoman Ann Gonzalez said. So if they were to shed about 1,000 megawatts, you're talking about 750,000 homes that could possibly be affected. And so, I mean, that's a lot of homes, and you're talking about rolling blackouts and, and things like that. You know, a rolling blackout doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're without power for the whole day, but... Uh, we've been in some of those down here in Texas where it's lasted a couple of hours. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. But uh, who knows, with the, the grid and how frail our grill, uh, grill, <laughs> how frail the grid is, um, you know, this, this is one of the things to really be concerned about. Uh, on top of all the things that we have to worry about and all the things that are going on, I mean, we we are dependent on these wires that are taking you know power from one place to the other and so i thought this would be a really great article to talk a little bit about it's coming to us from readynutrition.com and uh, i know tess tess pennington is a friend she uh, i know they live in california they they were from texas they live in california they have experienced this before these rolling blackouts and and dealing with them and so I know that in reading a little bit more and digging deeper that these are going to be going on for the next couple of days possibly. And so something that they need to happen. So I thought it was a good idea to discuss um, you know, preps and just some ideas on being prepared for blackouts. But really for if the grid goes down, let's say you're in hurricanes. you know, So we're in hurricane season down here in the Gulf or if you are anywhere near water. Um, you know, you're in hurricane season right now. And so these are these are ideas and things that would be helpful whenever the grid goes down. And so I wanted to make sure that I share these things with you. I think the, these are important. So when you're used to the electricity 
and it goes out, especially during a heat wave, you really start to take into account what blackout related preps you have ready or the blackout related preps that you need. And there are a lot of things to consider to prepare for for a blackout. And this episode, we're going to talk about some of these uh, and, and hopefully help you out just a little bit, maybe get you to think of, about some things that you haven't thought about before in the past. So again, like I said, this article is coming to us from readynutrition.com. The article is entitled 10 Blackout Proof Preps You Need to Get Through Extreme Weather Emergencies. So let's go ahead and jump in. Now, generally speaking, the American lifestyle is largely dependent upon the power grid. And when the grid goes down during the hottest times of the year, our eyes are open to the need to have essential off-grid preps on hand to survive. A sweltering heat wave that has enveloped most parts of California, causing a surge of demand on the power grid. During the hottest part of the day on Friday, energy companies made the decision to start rolling blackouts, something that has not been done for 20 years. So, quote, the heat wave is ramping up this weekend and some areas could reach triple-digit record highs, Weather.com meteorologist Jonathan Bellis said, adding that the temperatures are more typical of midsummer than August. An excessive heat warning was issued by the National Weather Service for Friday through Tuesday and the combination of heat and wildfires prompted air quality warnings as well. Ozone pollution in some areas reached levels Friday afternoon not seen in 10 years, the Los Angeles Times reported. Gonzalez said several different factors would play into whether the rolling blackouts continue. We're dealing with weather, clouds, wildfires. These are quickly evolving situations, quickly changing, she told the AP. The situation will be evaluated on a day-to-day basis, she said. So, you know, this article was put out on Prepper website on Saturday, so yesterday, and so it must it was written on Friday. And so this is really recent stuff that's going on and like I read in the article before this, uh, just kind of from the LA Times, they're expecting this to go on. And uh, you know, we're experiencing heat, uh, you know, really severe heat at least for the next couple of days here uh, down in Texas in the Houston area, and then we're supposed to be getting a cool front. A cool front, though, was like 95 degrees, right? It was like, that's a cool front. But uh, we'll take whatever, you know, just so we don't have those triple-digit numbers. So uh, moving along in this article, it's not a very long one, but a lot of good stuff. And then I want to come back and talk just about some things that I personally believe in, some things that I have uh, for my preps and things that I have used, uh, like when we have gone through hurricanes and things like that. So uh, moving on with this article the step-by-step guide to help you through any disaster. Now, many believed rolling blackouts were a thing of the past, but all that changed Friday when the lights went out on 350,000 homes. Now, um, like I said, this was written probably on Thursday or Friday, and then uh, the most recent one said, you know, probably close to 750,000 homes. So many were caught off guard and felt PG and E had not fully communicated the likelihood of this occurring. But the worst is yet to come as more rolling blackouts are planned for the coming week. Excessive heat warnings are forecasted through Wednesday for Central Valley, Delta, Foothills, and mountains southwestern of Shasta County to western Calusa County. While scorching temperatures forecasted in many parts of the country, it is important to know that certain preparedness items can provide safety and protection when you are off the grid during the hottest parts of the year. So some priorities during a blackout. Number one is safety concerns. Heat-related deaths are the number one weather-related killer in the United States. 
Therefore, when a rolling blackout occurs, make sure you find the coolest part of the home for the family to be in. Set up battery-operated box fans in essential rooms, provide flashlights if needed, drink lots of fluids, and monitor those who may be at risk for heat injuries. Here are some tips to stay cool during a rolling blackout. So I got to tell you, there's a lot of links in this article. So like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes so you can go check this out. So many preparedness experts suggest always having at least a half a tank in gas. And this is a perfect example why. If rolling blackouts last longer than intended and you are feeling that your health is becoming affected, go to your car and sit in the air conditioning to cool off. Number two, securing the food supply. The next priority is protecting your food supply during a power disruption. Keep in mind the season and the geographic locale where you reside with regards to your food supply and food shopping. During a rolling blackout, minimize the opening of refrigerators and freezers. While most of your perishable food supplies will keep for at least 24 or more hours in the refrigerator, be prepared to do what you can to save your food supply. If your, ref- if your refrigerator and freezer cannot hold cold temperatures. As an added measure, add a thermometer to the refrigerator to monitor the temperature. If the temperatures start increasing above a certain point, plan to move the food into the freezer. In an article on the subject, Jeremiah Johnson makes some great suggestions on using up your perishable food supply. So again, links that uh, you can go and you can uh, further your insights into uh, how to do some of these things. Number three is protecting appliances from power surges. Now, generators are great to have around, especially if you find yourself in an off-grid situation. Those that are dependent on power for medical equipment are especially vulnerable during power outages. Portable or permanently installed standby generators provide a temporary source of power during emergency power outages. However, if you do not know how to use these tools properly, they can be dangerous. When plugging in appliances to generators, pay careful attention to wattage allowed. Follow these safety tips to stay safe. So then she has here 10 blackout proof preps that you need. Now, I don't completely agree with every single one of these. I'll talk a little bit about these and then uh, we'll move into just to some, um, some ideas that I have here. So if you have not done so already, take inventory of your light preparedness supplies, checking to see if batteries work and that you have extra supplies of batteries in case the blackouts last longer than intended. Last year, I went through a similar circumstance and highlighted the preparedness items used and even the mistakes I made in my preparedness plans that needed to be improved on. Here's a list of the 10 essential blackout proof supplies I used to get through my off-grid emergencies. All right, so not that I don't completely agree with these. I just, I would do something different. But uh, let me go ahead and list these. Number one, generator with gasoline. So if you have a generator, you need to, to definitely have a means to fill that generator up with, with gas. Now, I'm going to refer back to um, some of our online meetups. So if you are in the group, in uh, the Prepper website email group, then you know uh, when we do our online meetup every other week, you know, Brian's been talking about this. And actually, this last Tuesday, we talked about it where uh, he he shared um you know, that they were without power for a couple of days. So it allowed him to move forward with his, you know, his generator and and use those kinds of preps and things like that. And he talked about how much gas he went through. He was a little surprised at how much he went through. But, uh, you know, that's that's one of those things. So having the gas or at least if you're if you're experiencing rolling blackouts, 
and maybe you need to, to power up a generator. Maybe you have someone in your home that is, uh, you know, the heat, the extreme heat could provide a health related issue and you want to cool them down. And one of the things, you know, Brian talked about, it was having a, you know, uh, an AC unit, a window unit that you can put inside, uh, you know, you can hook up to the generator and kind of go from there. And, uh, you know, I've heard that before for, you know, for many years and you could keep, you know, you could seal off one room in your home and keep that relatively cool so everyone can be at least comfortable in one of the rooms. And so, uh, but of course, again, that's going to take uh, gas in your, for your generator. And so you might not want to store all that gas. You might just want to have the gas tank. So if there's blackouts in one area, it might not mean that the next county over or, you know, traveling 20 minutes or 30 minutes down the road that you wouldn't be able to get gas or ice or, or whatever you need. And so um, you have that ability to go fill up your gas tanks if you if you need that, you know. And so uh, at least have if you're going to have a generator, at least have the gas tanks that you can use and, and you can fill up so that you can have more than just, uh, you know, one day's worth of generator use. And of course, the more you connect to the generator, the more power it's going to use, the more gas it's going to eat up. Number two is a surge protector. And so um, I, I believe that if you have important equipment, you want to put surge protectors on them before you get to the blackout situation. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this um, in, in a minute, but uh, you know, go ahead your your big things that are important. Go ahead and put a surge protector on there now, not when not when you have blackouts. Uh, number three is two battery powered lanterns for the communal area, areas in the home. So I do have a lantern um, battery powered, but uh, recently I wrote an article over at PreparedChristians.com talking about you know my favorite my favorite flashlight. And it is one of those humongous flashlights. Um, it was only like $13 on Amazon, but you needed to find the batteries like at eBay for whatever reason, Amazon wasn't selling the, these batteries. And I, I showed a picture. I tried to try to show this as much as possible, but I took a picture of, of course, my bed. You're lying, lying on my bed. And I took a picture of the ceiling, of course, when it's pitch dark. And then I turned on that flashlight and I had that flashlight standing upright next to my bed, right on my on my nightstand, and just to show how much light it gives off. And I really do use that on a regular basis. Like when we are in bed, and instead of you know going and turning on the the light or whatever, I just click that flashlight and turn it up and stand it up, and it lights up the room. It's so powerful. So I would I would suggest even getting four or five of those. Those are a lot cheaper and you can get a lot of those batteries and those batteries last for a long, long time. And uh, and so that's what I would recommend as, instead of those uh, battery-powered lanterns. Some of those battery-powered lanterns, I remember the first one that I ever bought, like took 10 D-sized batteries. Now, I know some of them are rechargeable now, but that's a lot of batteries to hold. And so I just rather would have, and they do throw out a lot of light, but I rather would have these flashlights and they just worked really, really well. Um, the other one is a battery powered headlamp. And I do agree with this. Um, it is one of the things that I use a lot when I am out there. Even if I go outside and uh, at night and I need to be able to see, I want to have both of my hands free. I put that headlamp on and uh, the one that I have, I have a couple of different ones, but the one that I really like right now is one that's rechargeable. And I can recharge that with one of my USB power banks. 
And uh, again, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. So I, I think those are, are, are great. So, uh, and then she talks a little bit about light sticks here and she does link to these on Amazon. These are more like industrial grade, uh, night sticks or light sticks that you, you know, the kind that you can, you know, get at the dollar store, I guess those aren't, wouldn't be the industrial strength ones, but the kind that you pop and you shake and you use, um, I, I just would rather have flashlights and, and things like that. So that's one of those things that I really don't necessarily agree with. I mean, it might be one of those things. They have a shelf life. You know, if you put them in a pack, you always have the the risk of accidentally popping them. And then when you really need it, they're not there. So for me, I would just prefer flashlights. But I know that there are a lot of people that do have those in their um, their their blackout kits. And then number seven is an assortment of candles. Now, I want to caution you about using a lot of candles because if you're in a heat wave, candles are going to give off heat. And let me tell you a story here. I'm going to actually tell you two stories uh, throughout this podcast uh, about the same time in our life. But before Prepper Website, when my wife and I, we, we ran a group home for kids in CPS custody. And uh, one of those years, um, I guess it, it was the last year that we were in the home, I was starting to work. I was, uh, you know, I gone and got my teaching certification and uh, I was teaching and this was kind of our last year here. Um, there was a time where they did go through, the, the power went out and I can't remember why. I don't know if it was a blackout or whatever, but they didn't know what it was uh, like. It was summertime, it was hot and uh, it, w- it was one of those things that, um, that, that we experienced. And it was, you know, we, we had power, you know, I came home, we had power and then it went, you know, into the evening time. Well, we had kids. I mean, they were teenagers, but in order to just kind of have some light and again, like I said, this was pre-prepper website, pre-preparedness. Now, if that would have happened, like everybody would have had their flashlight, we would have been good. But we just, we had like one flashlight in the whole home. And so everyone was in the living room and we had a big living room. So I lit up a bunch of candles just to provide enough, uh, you know, enough light. And we're all sitting around talking. I think we had windows open and all that different kind of stuff. And uh, because it, it was starting to get warm. But then one of the things about all those candles in there really warmed up the living room a lot. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there, we're just talking, no one's moving, no one's really, we're not, there's not a lot of activity, but we just realized that the temperature in the room was really getting hot. And it was because of all these candles that we had going on. So if you're in a heat wave, you want to be very careful about, you know, having multiple candles. I, I do think that candles are worth it. I do think that they are, uh, that you need to have a supply. I would, uh, I would recommend going to Dollar Tree and buying just the, the, the glass ones that, you know, that are, they're kind of like, if you're, if you're Catholic, um, they're the kind that have like the pictures of, I don't know, just Catholic symbols and things on there, but these are just completely clear. And I, I did a test on one at one time, and I ran that sucker all day long because I wanted to see how long it would take me to wear it down. And I figured in 24 hours, I would use up this candle. And in 24 hours, I only used probably about an inch worth of wax. And I was very, very surprised with these candles. So they're one of the best deals on the market. Like when you go to Dollar Tree, 
get one of these. Uh, I did an article on them over at Ed That Matters as well. And you can, if you wanted to, you can go and check it out over there and just do uh, candles, do a search for candles or Dollar Tree or whatever. But those really, really work. And I would suggest if you don't have any candles, go buy a dozen, go buy two dozen and just, you know, keep them in a box and keep them stored up somewhere. But they really work and they, they last for a long, long time. All right. So uh, next up, solar powered battery chargers. I'm a big fan of these. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I always talk about these. I have many different ones. Um, I do want to say that when you when you hear the term solar powered battery charger, it's kind of a misnomer because you think that. All right. um, And you do find some online and they sell for a really decent price and they do have a lot of milliamps that you know that would power your phone many different times and all that different kinds of stuff but they do have like this solar charger on there and a lot of them will tell you that is for like extreme emergencies that is like if you were out hiking and you got lost and the only thing you had to build up the the supply of power in your power bank again was solar then you would use that and, and they're really not, the cheaper ones on Amazon really do not or should not be uh, charged up with uh, with the sun. They're not going to really work like that. There are some, there have been some that work really, really well. Back in the day, I was sent a product uh, by, I think it's Waka Waka. <laughs> it's a funny name, but they really do have a solar charger that charges really well. And it's the size of a uh, of a cell phone. Uh, of a smartphone and you can set it up and I've used it many times when we would go up to the country I would use it up there and uh, just charge it up and that one really worked I mean that one was legit a legit solar charging battery bank um, there was one I was sent one for review uh, by uh, Kogala and this was more like a, a small uh, notepad the size of a notepad so it is I think it was 150,000 milliamp battery bank. It's pretty thin, but it looks like a, a small little netbook, if you're familiar with those, a uh, small little laptop, and it unfolds, and you can put it out, and you, you know, like if you're backpacking, you can connect it to the back of your backpack, and so if the sun is hitting it, it can charge as you're walking, but that was a legit one as well. But these smaller ones that you can get for $20, $30, buy those because they work as a battery bank, but they're not a solar charging battery bank or battery charger. But I do believe in these and you, I believe that having these are smart. And so I think you need to have one of these with you just every single day. I mean, I would have, uh, I have an all do, I think it's about 30,000 milliamp, 45,000 milliamp, maybe. Um, and I just have it in my backpack. And every once in a while, I'll take it out. If I need to use it, I use it. Or if I need to charge it up, I charge it up. But uh, that sucker will charge my phone many, many, many times. And with some of the things I'm going to talk about, you can power uh, USB devices off of these battery banks. And so I'm a big fan of these. The technology has gotten uh, really great throughout the years. And uh, so I think that if you don't have one of these, you can find these. You know, even if you go to trade shows, I think I talked about this not too long ago. I was engaging with someone, a salesperson on in one of the booths, and it was something that I really wasn't ever going to buy, uh, something that we didn't need. In fact, we already had 
kind of their competitor. But the fact that I was just kind of talking and spending a little bit of time with her uh, and, you know, while while I was waiting around for some of my other friends, she's just like, hey, I really appreciate, you know, the time that you're giving me. She gave me one of these battery chargers that are it's the size of a credit card. So it's probably not going to. And then all the plugs and stuff are inside of it. I mean, it, it's, it was really, really cool. And I still have it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can throw it in a pack. I can throw it in my uh, in my pocket. I mean, it just really, it's really small. Just the, probably the size, it's the size of a credit card, but probably the thickness of maybe two or three credit cards on top of each other. And that was free. And so, you know, there's just, uh, they're out there. There's so many out there and so many different uh, opportunities where you can get these and get these for get these for a really low price. All right, so number nine is extra batteries. That's always a good thing. Um, I like the the in loop batteries, the, the rechargeable ones. We use those here in the homes for the kids for their, you know, for their electronics and the things that they use. I mean, I think that's it's one of those, and you know, you can stock up and, and use those for um, many many uh, rounds and many cycles. And then number ten is battery powered fans, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when we go into um, into my next section where I'm just kind of just uh, just sharing some thoughts and ideas, but battery powered fans are going to be important. So just let me finish this uh, article off. There's two small paragraphs here. Other alternative light considerations could be solar garden lights, which can be charged outdoors and then brought in the evening to use. Oil lamps are another lighting alternative and an added benefit to this is that you can recycle used cooking oil or used rendered fat to power these. Also consider having a supply of long burning candles and solar powered flashlights. Again, on the oil lamps, you got to think about the heat that they're giving out. So if this is not, uh, if, if the, the, your power going out, your blackout is not due to the heat, then definitely, uh, you know, have those ready to use and ready to go. I think that's a really great idea. The oil lamps and candles, you just got to be smart about where you place them. And if you have young kids, you've got to really teach them, you know, not to touch them. All right. So uh, just to finish this off, she says, I hope this helps some of you better prepare for off-grid events. Please check out the Prepper Blueprint and 52 Weeks to Preparedness for more information on preparing. So she does have a, a mailing list and all that kind of stuff that you can join. Um, the Prepper's Blueprint. I always say that Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's book, um, the Survival Medicine Handbook, is the number one book that every prepper should have. But then Tess's book, the Prepper's Blueprint, is probably book number two that you should own. I think it's a, it's a really great book. There's a lot of, of good information in there. It's a really big, thick book. And so uh, I'm just going to plug that one there. Uh, just, uh, you know, just kind of two cents, my two cents, uh, my opinion there. All right, so let me share a couple of ideas here. If you're in a blackout because of the heat, then you do not want to cook inside. This is another thing that we've talked about here recently. We talked about alternative cooking methods in our group, in our online uh, meetup group. And uh, you just want to be careful about that. When we had Hurricane Harvey, I did an article on just, you know, going through Hurricane Harvey and some of the things that we did. And, and I 
you know, I used my burner on my grill outside. So I have a, a propane grill that we do we do a lot of barbecuing on, but it has a little side burner. I didn't even have to bust out my camping stove. I have a camping stove. I have, you know, that ability to be able to do that. I have many different wood stoves and, you know, that I have uh, been sent or that I have purchased throughout the years and, and just uh, tried but why go through all that effort when you have a burner right there and all you got to do is just turn, you know, flip on the switch and, and boom, you're ready to go. So when I was making coffee, um, you know, that's that's the way that it, that it, I made it there. I had a, a percolator, a camping, uh, you know, percolator, the old fashioned kind that you sit right on the fire. And that's what I did. So you don't want to cook inside. You want to be very careful about doing that because any heat that you um, that you are putting out from your oven or from your stove is going to add to the overall heat in your home. So you need to be thinking about that. You want to eat cool foods as much as possible. Now, I know that's kind of one of those things because you're you're wanting to make sure that you are not opening up your, your refrigerator. So uh, story number two about the group home. So uh, this this one time when the lights had gone out, I wasn't home. And it, it was a time where uh, it, was, it was getting close to, to lunch. And so they were waiting, or actually it was past lunch. They were waiting to to uh, to see if the lights were going to come on so that they could open up the refrigerator because my, I wasn't there. And my wife didn't want to open it up because she didn't know how long the power was going to be out. And so you're always told, don't open up the refrigerator because, you know, you don't want to lose all the, the cool air that's in there. So as time went on, they were like, you know, okay, we're getting hungry. What are we going to eat? And so finally, they settled on peanut butter and banana sandwiches. And that was, you know, uh, after you're hungry and you are ready to, uh, you're ready to eat, you eat that. And it was funny because they talked about this, you know, even way past this. It was like, those were the best peanut butter and banana sandwiches they ever had, right? The best sandwiches they ever had because they were hungry and they were, you know, they found something that they could eat. Now, of course, you, you know, I love peanut butter, but you just can't eat a peanut butter sandwich. I know there's some weird people out there. If you eat pe- just peanut butter sandwiches, that's fine. That's weird. But okay, you got to have something with it. And so uh, they had peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Still hear about that to, to this day. And so they were uh, eating foods that not were, were not necessarily cool, but didn't need to be heated. And uh, they were being careful to open up the refrigerator. You know, one of the things you can do, and then going back to this uh, this idea of if it's rolling blackouts and you can drive maybe 20, 30 minutes down the road or you can get to, um, you know, the next county or whatever. Or even if, like, for instance, Hurricane Harvey, when when power was coming on or even Hurricane Ike that we had here in, in the Houston area, you know, there was pockets of power being out, but there was other pockets where, where everything was back to normal as far as the electricity, right? So you could drive maybe 15, 20 minutes to, you know, to the next neighborhood or, or down the freeway a little bit. And you could find a corner store where you could get gas, where you could get ice, where you could get that kind of stuff. So if that's the case, then I would highly recommend that you have an igloo. And there is one called a polar cooler that I have. And that sucker keeps, keeps ice for many days. So the one that I have is it's like a 120 quart cooler and it says it keeps um, it keeps 
ice in there for five days at 90 degrees. And I got to tell you, um, this one of those things that we did experience out in the country where we were completely off grid is, you know, we we would go for a couple of days and this this cooler would keep I mean, we would come back with ice still in the cooler. So one of the things you can do. So if you have if you ever get um, juice, if you buy juice in the store and, you know, they come in all different kind of plastic containers, but there are some that come like in a rectangle Um I guess that's the best way that I can describe it without actually being able to show it to you, you know, uh, visually. But uh, basically, it is a plastic bottle that is in the shape of a of a rectangle. And uh, if you can wash that out really well, and you can use that and freeze those. Uh, if you have a freezer and you drop it, you know, drop them in there and you freeze them, and you you have enough of those to put a layer of. Uh, these these plastic bottles. So basically, these blocks of ice on the bottom they fit very nicely in this polar cooler. And then you put a little bit of water um, inside of that. That helps to keep things really really cold. And so I that's one of those things that I would recommend. You want to have ice. You want to have things to be able to keep uh, beverages cool, especially if you have someone who uh, who is uh, older. And you want to make sure that they are staying healthy. You don't want them to, you know, to go into any kind of heat-related sickness. The you know older people or even really young people as well. You know, during Ike, there were people who were medically fragile who died on the side of the road because cars were again they were trying to get out of Houston, and you know there was roadblocks and people ran out of gas. And they were sitting there on the side of the road and people who were medically fragile died. And so you really need to be thinking about that. And so having, you know, a a cooler with a lot of ice just makes things a little bit more um, or maybe not as miserable if you're out there. So going into the health thing that she was talking about, the battery operated fans, there are battery operated fans. Then you have if you have a generator, you can always connect fans to your um, you know to your generator you can also have a window unit but again there are usb powered fans that you can run off of your usb powered uh, battery bank and so you know i've never done the, the 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 actual math of how long it would last but depending on how fast this fan is is blowing and how much you know the, how big the fan is uh, they're small little fans that you can run for a very, very long time off of these battery banks. There is a YouTube channel that I'm going to recommend. It's Desert Sun O2. And I've linked to a lot of his videos on Prepper website throughout the years. He lives somewhere in the desert. And of course, because of his name, Desert Sun O2, right? Um, I, I don't know, maybe Arizona, I don't know, somewhere around there. And uh, he's always doing these alternative power uh, you know, experiments. So whether it, it's solar or whether it is trying to keep cool or different things like that. And he's done a lot of things where you blow a fan, you know, across a pan of water with a big sponge in there or a couple of sponges in there. And he always has like his, his, um, you know, the temperature gauge and he's always, you know, checking the temperature of, of how it's cooling and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's, you know, the kind where you build the igloo 
where you're throwing, where you're pushing air into the igloo and there's ice inside of the igloo and it's coming out like super cold. And so he's always doing these different things. That might be something that you might want to look at. Um, a lot of those things work with very low humidity in places with low humidity. They don't always work very well in um, like in Houston where we have very high humidity. Um, it might it might help a little bit, but uh, it's not going to be as cool. You're not going to feel the effect as much as you would in, in a low humidity situation. But you also have cooling towels, uh, neckties. There's even vests. Now, a lot of those work as the... Uh, you know, evaporation on evaporation and again with low humidity. But we did take up uh, those cooling neckties. We did have those up in the country and uh, we kind of just left them up there. And they're the kind where you just you dunk in water for a little bit and then you kind of wring it out. And it's just kind of cool. And they did work. There was cooling vests that we would, you know, dump into, uh, especially when we were on the tractor cutting. Um, it, it worked, you know, uh, of course, a little bit is not as humid as it is in Houston. We were a couple of hours away, but still, um, it was humid. But they did work to a point, and I can just imagine how much better they would work if you weren't in a high humid situation. So, uh, you know, you want to get some of these things so that you can help out those people that are medically fragile, your older parents, you know, grandparents, the younger kids. You want to really know what the heat signs are and in be able to to pay attention to what you're seeing in them. And so that's going to be very important. Um, with the food thing, she talked about food. And of course, you want to have the generators to be able to save your food uh, in, in your freezers and different things like that. You know, one of the things at the very beginning of the whole COVID thing, my wife wanted to get a freezer, a deep freeze, because we just we didn't have room in in the garage for it. I'm like, no, we don't we don't have room for it. I don't want to get one right now. So we didn't do it. And later on, of course, we're kicking ourselves. Well, she finally found one. I mean, it's very hard to find deep freezes right now. We did find one. We did find a decent one. So we were able to, um, you know, to, to get one of those. But, you know, one of the things that now I got to consider is if we lose power, I have all of that stuff inside of that deep freeze. It's not just my refrigerator anymore. It's it's the refrigerator and a deep freeze that I need to be paying attention to. So, you know, I need to, to have some backups to be able to keep those things cold. So, of course, you have the generators and, and you can look at that. And that is something to consider. You, I've also talked about inverters and having an inverter if you didn't want to uh, if you don't have the money to spend on a generator or you don't have the place to store a generator and a lot of gas or even if it's dual fuel and propane, then you can have an inverter and you just need to have a big enough of an inverter to get the compressor in your freezer or your refrigerator to kick off. So there's this big surge that happens when they first kick on. And then after that, the, the wattage really goes down. So that's one of those things you might need to have a 1,000 or a 1,500 watt inverter. They're, they're going to cost a little bit more money. But again, again, I think I bought mine really early on in preparedness. I bought it from Harbor Freight and it's never, you know, I have some other ones as backups and I've never had to use them because this one has always worked. And so um, I just continue to use this one. Now, if that's the case, you want to have a full tank of gas, like Tess said in her article, uh, not only to get in there and to maybe cool off if you needed to cool off, but also if you need to plug these in to be able to run a couple of hours to keep your freezers 
you know, cold and, and keep them frozen to give them that extra boost. You, you don't have to keep them on nonstop. You know, you can run them for three or four hours and, and just make sure that they are staying cold and, and make sure they're, they're staying frozen. I love the idea of having a thermometer in there so you can kind of keep an eye on that. Of course, you're not opening it up every so often to check it, um, but you do have that there. Um, so you, you want to have um, means to save your food. I know I know some people would say, okay, you need to be ready to can it. And so, yeah, if it was a really severe situation, you would have to can your food. And then at that, again, you wouldn't want to be inside. You would want to do that outside uh, and maybe on a, uh, on a stove or whatever. Um, I mean, if you had no choice, you'd have to do it inside, but it would add a lot of heat. So one of those things, right, you want to be able to keep your food uh, cool. You don't want to lose all that money that you put into your frozen food in your freezers and your, uh, you know, your refrigerators and all that good stuff. And so, uh, you know, th- that's where that's where I would go with the food there. I probably would not can it. Um, just me. I, I think that I would uh, start eating it and have a big party. <laughs> yeah, people over. Like, let's start. You know, let's have a big barbecue out in the front yard and uh, and start and start doing it th- that way as much as possible. I mean, I don't know. Uh, th- that's at least that's my thinking right now. Um, and then she talked a little bit about the protecting from surges. And so I think the big things that uh, you, you want to have those power surges already on your big items. So if you have a TV, your computer, you know, those different types of things, you, you want to go ahead and have surge protectors there. But one of the things that I do want to talk about is being careful with your, uh, your AC And so not too long ago, we did lose our AC because the power was kicking on and off. And this this was something that I didn't realize, I didn't know, is because of the power surges coming on and off and kicking on and off, then uh, there's a capacitor in the compressor that blew. And after we got our our AC back, or after we got our power back, our air conditioner would not kick on. Now, luckily, our you know our AC guy came out and it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it was a capacitor. I think it was like three hundred dollars or whatever. I don't know, maybe two hundred dollars, somewhere around there. Uh, but it was it was the hassle of having to wait for someone to come out and to do that. And that's what it was. Um, basically, it was because of the power surges. And so there is something an inline capacitor that they can put in there to protect that. Um, uh, you know, that would kind of be extra or whatever. But the other thing that you can do is just if your power is going off and, and it's clicking off like that, just go turn off your AC to make sure that there's not going to be things kicking on and off and the power is going to be flickering and all that kind of stuff. And so my kids know that if we are not home and, and the power starts to do that, the electricity starts to flicker or whatever, they know to come turn off the AC and and leave it off until for sure the power comes on and it stays on because they rather be you know be a little warm and and get a little warm in the house for just a little bit of time than to have to wait maybe a day or two for the AC guy to come out and to replace that capacitor so if you are in a situation where you're you know you have central air uh you know AC units you know keeping your house cool the lights are flickering. You want to just go turn it off 
and let it stay off until you know for sure the lights are going to come back on and stay on because that's just something it's just a hassle that you don't you don't want to deal with all right guys so that's what i have there for uh this article a lot of stuff to consider i do want to talk about okay uh, one more thing here <laughs> i was talking about the battery powered because i do have some other pop-up uh some i have some tabs open of things i was going to talk about um just to, some other ways to provide light um, for your for your battery banks and using your battery banks um, there is a flexible dimmable touch switch that i use and basically it is for it's used for laptop computers like if you were uh if you were using it in the dark or whatever and you just kind of wanted to light up your keyboard and that's what it's used for i used it for church when i was uh playing the guitar we we meet in a theater and in order to see the uh, the song sheets, it was just really dark. And so I had this light that I would, it's kind of like, a, you know, one of those, uh, you know, the wire is kind of flexible because you can kind of bend it and, and, and make it, you know, stay the way that you want it to stay. But you're able to plug this into a USB battery bank and you're able to have light. So if that's one of the things that you want to do to be able to create some light and uh, have, you know, have it kind of light up your room, you can do that as well. They also sell, so Sunjack Camp Light also sells these light bulbs that are on like a USB. You can kind of even daisy chain them on a, on a USB wire and so you can connect them. So these are pretty cool as well. I have some of these in my blackout kit that you can use. I talked a little bit about the uh, uh, my nightlight or my my head not my nightlight my headlamp, um, and that's uh, using that USB rechargeable headlamp. I think that's just a great great option to have. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about those. I might link those in the in the show notes. I can't link them in the show notes that are in your podcast catcher, but I can link them in the show notes that are over on the uh, on the website. So you can go and, and just at least see what I'm talking about because I think some of these items are, are pretty cool and uh, they work out really well, things that I have used before in the past. All right, guys, so that's it for episode 654. Like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes so you can come over and check it out. There were a lot of other links that you can go to and get more information. And that's what I love about Tess. And she uh, just has provided a lot of information throughout the years. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure that you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, you can head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.